The reading is taken from John's Gospel, starting at chapter 20 and verse 19. And in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1089. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. I pray that my words may be acceptable to the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, one of the most widely read books ever published about the resurrection was called Who Moved the Stone? I expect there are many people here this morning who've actually read the book. Its conclusion was that the body of Jesus wasn't removed from the tomb by any human agency. 
The power of God alone was responsible for the amazing and unexpected disappearance of the crucified corpse which had been laid to rest on that Good Friday. But if that was the truth about what had happened, then it's equally relevant to ask, why move the stone? The same gospel writers who report the empty tomb also make it quite clear that the risen body of Jesus was capable of appearing and disappearing in a manner impossible for human beings who are subject to the normal physical circumstances of life on this earth. We've just heard in that reading how the disciples were met together on the evening of Easter Day, behind locked doors, it emphasizes, and yet the risen Jesus was able to join them. Another incident we read about in Luke's Gospel, which happened on Easter Day, was the meeting with Jesus by the two disciples who went to Emmaus. When they were having that meal together, they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. And then it says he vanished out of their sight. It's not likely, surely, that the stone sealing the tomb where Jesus was buried, however huge, however secure, could have offered much resistance to the resurrection. As we sing in one of our Easter hymns, vain the stone, the watch, the seal. And so, why move the stone? The explanation is certainly not that it opened to allow the risen Lord to emerge. His resurrection body was clearly so transformed as to allow him to pass through physical obstacles. It's possible, I suppose, to think of accidental reasons why, for the stone's disturbance, such as an earth tremor associated with the resurrection. But I would like to think that there was, in fact, some purpose in it, some significance which makes it important that it is recorded in the Gospels. And I suggest that if we reflect upon the implications of the stone being moved, there are a number of things which become apparent. The first is fairly obvious, I suppose, that here was a testimony to the resurrection. The stone was moved in the providence of God not to let Christ out, but to let witnesses in. If the stone had not been moved, the resurrection would not have become known until Jesus began to appear to the disciples. And it's sometimes suggested that it's these appearances which are really vital, and it doesn't really matter whether the tomb was empty or not. But that makes the burial of Jesus of no importance whatever, and I believe it's much more significant than that. The open entrance enabled the women who came on Easter morning to enter the tomb and see for themselves that Jesus had risen. And so when the disciples began to meet him, they understood that he was neither a ghost nor a resuscitated corpse, but something entirely different, the first evidence of a new kind of life, a new creation in which God has taken the transient flesh and blood of our earthly existence and filled them with the power of an undying life. Jesus had passed through the grave. 
He did not creep back through the doorway into this life. He has gone before us into a new life. And then I think the witness of the stone moved aside to reveal an empty tomb turned the disciples into witnesses as well. The testimony of the stone became their testimony too. The grave could not hold him, they said. And so they became preachers of the resurrection. It's clear from scripture that the church was founded upon the proclamation of the resurrection. When the apostles thought they should appoint a replacement for Judas Iscariot as one of the twelve, we read in Acts that they said, someone must become a witness with us of the resurrection. And the church is called to bear the same witness today. Even though none of us has seen the stone, which was moved away. And that's the point of the words of Jesus to Thomas in today's reading. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There's no point in having a church unless it proclaims the resurrection. There's no point in our being Christians unless you and I can say, I know that my Redeemer lives. From the beginning, Christians have been called an Easter people, and that means we must be witnesses to why a gravestone was moved. And so how then do we witness to the resurrection in our own lives? This is more than saying we believe Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. We're claiming that a unique event in human history has changed the world forever and changed human destiny with it. We live at a time here in Britain and in a society when each person is entitled to their own beliefs, each one may find their own personal savior. But to assert that Jesus rose again after his crucifixion and has been given power and authority over the nations is to say that he has claims on everyone, whoever they are, wherever they live, because the whole of human history is affected by this one event. No wonder teachers sometimes admit that Easter is a much harder topic to teach children than Christmas. I heard someone say on the radio this Easter that it's an adult festival, not just because of the blood and violence of Calvary, but because of the difficulty of grasping what the resurrection means. Now, if you watch the series of programs this Easter about those seven people, well-known people, who walked the pilgrim way to Compostela, you would have heard a lot of discussion between them over what makes a pilgrim. Several times a distinction was made between being religious and being spiritual. It has become commonplace today to suggest that this makes it possible to reject the church and formal religion while at the same time holding on to those spiritual values that give life a deeper meaning. When they reached Compostela, one of the pilgrims expressed the view that the religious encounters along the way had not touched him, but nevertheless he felt he had been on a pilgrimage, largely because of what he had experienced in nature. 
They all agreed that the end of their journey was not in the cathedral, but on the rocky shore at Finisterre, with the beauty of nature all around them. Now, Finisterre means literally the end of the world. None of those pilgrims remarked on the significance of this. None of them, even the ordained priest, remarked on the purpose of a pilgrimage to bring one's experience of this world into harmony with the world to come. It seems that an acceptable spirituality has to be limited to this life. So before we settle for this consensus around us today, let's remember that the church is our link with the stone, which was moved. It is an unbroken link with all those who down the centuries have witnessed to the resurrection, going right back to those original disciples on the first Easter morning. So let's not give up on the church. Of course, the church's record as a human society has often been awful, so that as the Archbishop of Canterbury was moved to say the other day, we feel at times ashamed of the church. It's made up of human beings, so it's bound to fail at times. But when Jesus said to the disciples in the upper room on Easter evening, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, he also added the all-important words, receive the Holy Spirit. He never intended that we should struggle on in our own strength. And a last point about the stone. I see it also as a symbol. It's a symbol of a much greater doorway that has been opened, the gateway to heaven, the entrance into the presence of God, which Jesus has opened for us. The stone was moved to show us that a fuller life awaits us through the grave if we have put our trust in the power of Christ's resurrection to raise us too along with him. At the Last Supper, Jesus anticipated this when he said to his disciples, because I live, you also will live. And at the graveside of his friend Lazarus, Jesus promised that he himself would be for us the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, says Jesus, will live though he die. In the offering of his life upon the cross, Jesus made a way back to God for estranged humanity. And through this door, we all may enter. Symbolically represented by those women entering the tomb, going through to experience the life beyond. On Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the authorities were offended because the pilgrims were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, and hailing him as the promised Messiah. They told Jesus to rebuke the pilgrims. Jesus said to them, If these were silent, I tell you that the very stones would cry out. Well, they silenced the praises offered by the crowd. They turned blessing into cursing. They had Jesus crucified, put to death, and buried. They brought darkness over all the land. But then, very early on Easter morning, with all hope gone, 
one stone did cry out. A gravestone was moved to give its testimony, and it cries out still, Hallelujah! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed! Hallelujah! Amen.